you know, all the entrepreneurs in North Texas hang around the deck. The deck network also has a speaker series, and they are all queued up for the next speaker. Jeremy Stewart, you've heard about, I'm sure. He is the co-founder of the flip-flop brand that has taken the nation by storm, Hari Mari. And he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Good to be on, David. Thank you for having me. How do you get visibility? I mean, the world... With all due respect, <laughs> the world is covered in flip-flops, which they used to call thongs. Um, how do you get, how do you rise up above all that? That's the question we ask ourselves from day one. How, how do you stand out in a sea of flip-flops that are mostly black and brown and largely uncomfortable, which was which both of those uh, things worked to our advantage. So um, my background actually was in, was in politics, so I was, I was very familiar with focus grouping. We focus grouped, you know, 100 people here in Dallas, uh, ages 18 to 34, before we even launched this company, before we even gave it, you know, serious thought. And really, the feedback from those focus groups served as the, the foundations for how we could change our product to be a little bit different than what was already. No, out wait a minute. Did you start out with the idea of making flip flops or thongs, or, or did you just want to have a product and you were trying to come up with ideas for a product? Yeah, so it, it's it, it was a bit of both. So we knew I knew from from politics that that same strategic communication package that you used to uh, market a candidate uh, could be used in consumer goods uh, because a candidate, uh, any political candidate, is is just a walking consumer good. Exactly. You dress them up, you attach messages to them, uh, you put them in the right distribution avenues, and if you do it right, uh, if you do it correctly, then you often have success. And so. Um, uh, we often say that the great thing about consumer goods, though, is, is that they don't talk back. And so <laughs> we, we, we really wanted to figure out, uh, you know, what that consumer good could be. Um, my wife and I were avid flip-flop wearers, yes, but we were also looking for an industry that was stayed and that lacked innovation and that was, um, in, in our minds, um, not as capital intensive as, as, as others. And so we kept coming back to flip-flops for that reason. Um, lacked a ton of innovation. I mean, the same you know brands have been around for decades, mostly based out of California. Um, and so, uh, for us, the, the our own anecdotal feedback was that yes, there was just a couple of colors available, and yes, they 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 really hurt your feet. So, but, but so your background, I mean, your background is, and I know you've got an MBA too, and so you're, you're you know politics, you know marketing, but you're not an engineer. I mean, how do you come up with the product, the better mousetrap? Well, that's a great question, and I'm not sure we even figured figure that piece of it out yet. But um, we, uh, you know, some some bad crayon drawings kind of you know got us through the first you know six months. Uh, we limped our way through that, and I, I took those. I was I was comfortable uh, uh, in foreign countries. That's that's where I did, did most of my work previously, and so I hopped on a, a plane to Asia with some some bad you know embarrassingly bad crayon drawings and went to a bunch of factories. And uh, they helped me get through that that really necessary bridge phase from drawing to product. And then you've got to market it. And I would think, for an entrepreneur, I would think this is a better time to be able to come up and market a product than ever before. Because it used to be you had to buy radio time or television or ads or, I don't know, go out and give away samples or something. Now you've got social network. And sure. that's got to be a lot cheaper. It was. <laughs> oh, it's not anymore. It, it was until everyone started using it. Uh, no, yeah, it. it uh, you know, it's it's funny when we first started out. So so uh, I was very familiar with radio, television, and, and print advertising, and we knew from day one of starting this company that 
none of those uh, avenues made sense for us just from a, a bang for your buck standpoint. Yeah. And so we started with social uh, network advertising, social media advertising with email advertising. And that's largely how we built our brand. Paid it's advertising, plain. not word about, but I mean, actual paid advertising. E- exactly. Uh, and, and then what we came to find is that now fast forward almost a decade uh, that so many have migrated and, and that has become, you know, digital advertising has become so commonplace since there's so many brands fighting for that space that really now the, the flip is the flip side is true where traditional advertising, television, radio, print, direct mail, all of those forms are now actually, in, in my mind, more affordable and more advantageous than, than digital advertising in some respects. Well, you, your shoes are now you're are in Nordstrom's and J crew and, Holworth and Neiman's and places like that. Did you did you start there, or did you did you create this product, create a demand, and then they sort of came to you? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of brands. I, I feel like that that uh, I, I hear their backstory on. A lot of them are very lightning in a bottle situations, and ours is not. You know, we we've built this this seemingly you know from the ground up and and largely uh, in wholesale, and that was our our first channel. So. We were not digitally native. You know, we, we were not digital only when we started. Um, uh, stores like Nordstrom have, have helped, but but really the mom and pop independents like your St. Bernard Sports based here in Dallas, right. which is our very first store, by the way. Uh, we've largely built our customer following uh, and base uh, in, in those types of stores throughout the nation. So beating on doors, I mean, taking out yes, samples and products and traditional methods. So actually, my, I wish I could take credit for that, but my my wife uh, Lila, who's my, my my business partner and co-founder, uh, she was the one who really pioneered our, our wholesale uh, presence. Uh, our, our first few months out of it, we we were pregnant. She was pregnant with our first child, uh, and she hit the road in in the car and uh, and hit all the stores in, in Texas and surrounding states. And I think we don't know to this date whether stores uh, felt sorry for her because she was so pregnant and and, and selling our flip flops at the same time, and that's why they. <laughs> They bought us for the first time, or they actually liked the product. But either way, Very cheap. It, it all worked out in the end. Very cheap. So here you are, your success. The company's been around for a decade. And this is normally when some, you know, some backer eases the entrepreneur out and says, you know, you've done a great job. You've taken the company along this far. But we need to bring in somebody who really knows what the hell they're doing. Sure. <laughs> but you're still there. We are. Yeah. I think we're what you call entrepreneurial masochists. We, we love to, you know, get punched in the nose every morning and, uh, and come back for, for more the next day. And, and for us that, that challenge, uh, and, and, you know, our, uh, collective, uh, uh, interest in the brand. I mean, it, it's, it really keeps us coming back. We, we, we would be, I, I don't know what we would do if we weren't doing this. Let's put it that way. So are you, what's next? Uh, do you start doing watches and t-shirts and hats and trips to Indonesia or something like that? How do you grow the company? Well, twofold. So really right now we're hyper-focused on, um, on really building out the lifestyle piece of our brand. So we started in footwear, we kind of view footwear and and flip-flops specifically kind of like Lululemon did with their yoga pants. They started with yoga pants and they built on top of that for us. uh, We're going to build on top of our flip-flops and we're adding shorts and t-shirts that are cut and sew. They're made by us uh, as well as hats uh, this spring. And, and so that's one, one side of it. And then we hope to, to develop and evolve that much like we have our footwear base. And then the other piece of this is, is really brick and mortar stores, our own brick and mortar stores. Um, and so we've been super fortunate. We've, uh, we've had a board member, his name's Jake Sapansky. 
He was the uh, co-founder and CEO of, of a, a high-end men's and women's apparel line called Billy Reed uh, for about three, 13 or 14 years. He has joined us uh, in a full-time capacity about uh, six months ago, and he's leading that charge in, into brick and mortar. And actually, our very first brick and mortar store is opening in uh, next month in uh, on Knox in Dallas. Well, there and there are a lot of spaces out there that are available after a pandemic. So maybe it'll, if that if that works and you want to expand it, it'll be good. Look, I know everybody's going to enjoy hearing you at the uh, the speaker series at uh, at the Deck Network, and we've certainly enjoyed getting to know you. Jeremy Stewart is the co-founder of Hari Mari. Thanks a lot Thanks, for the Dave. time. Thanks for more of our conversation with Mr. Stewart. Go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.